Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to The Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. Today, we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday with Jeff Bradford of The Bradford Group. The Bradford Group is a PR firm in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. Like I said, it's not uh, often that I get to talk to somebody in a very similar industry. I mean, I'm in the marketing space, uh, public relations are, you know, right up next to it. Um, uh, it's, a, I think the PR has a, a finer, uh, point to, uh, some things that they, they, that you guys handle, um, rather than simply just trying to drive visitors to a website where, or a word out about a product. You guys go a little deeper than that, uh, a little bit more nuanced, Let's walk down. I just wonder and think about your opinions on brands that that uh, take a political position. You think that's a good idea? Not a good idea? Something you would shy away from? I think it depends on the situation and the brand. I mean, uh, for instance, Nike uh, stuck their foot into the uh, uh, kneeling at the. Uh, what, what, they were. Didn't they get involved in the kneeling at the, at the anthem issue? Yeah, I, I, I don't recall that one, but yeah, possibly. Um, the one that comes to my mind was uh, that that I that I looked at was Oreo cookies. Uh, I don't remember if that's Nabisco or which brand it is specifically, but they did a um, uh, number of years back. They did an ad that had uh, rainbow colors inside of the Oreo cookie as the the icing, and I thought, wow, you guys are you guys are taking a chance there, aren't you? When you pick a side or pick a position, you're a cookie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, generally we advise clients not to get involved in politics. Uh, but it, I, I've seen it work also. You know, so, so sometimes what the reason it works is, yeah, it was uh, Copernic and uh, Nike came out behind oh, that's right. Copernic yep. for kneeling, kneeling at the anthem. Uh, and they were castigated when they did that, but it wound up they sold more shoes. And I think the reason is is that people who are passionate about an issue are more likely to care and therefore therefore more likely to give you kudos for coming out on their side. People who are not, who don't really notice the issue, it's kind of just, you know, rolls off their back. Okay, well, that happened. It's just shoes. I don't really care. So that may be why that it worked for them. Right. But, I mean, it's you're, you are kind of rolling the dice. So let me give you an example. Was it Yeti that decided that they were no longer going to allow the NRA to sell their products or to give away their products or something? Mm-hmm. You can have a pretty big negative backlash by picking yeah, a side, so to, to speak. I think you need to be conscious of who your customer is before you take a political stand. Uh, you know, that may have worked, I don't know, but that may have worked against Yeti because most of their oh, yeah. uh, people are outdoorsmen, I would think, uh, who right, are, they are fans yeah. of the NRA. So that was probably not a good move, uh, whereas most of, you know, like it's such a large company, but a lot of Nike's customers, I would imagine, 
you know, we're sympathetic to uh, the other side of the political spectrum, so to speak. Yeah, to me, especially when you have such divisive, and today the world is, or and the world, I'll, I'll more so pull it back to the United States. The U.S. seems to be such a divided country politically, seem to, you know, slice down the middle. Um, and for a brand uh, to overtly pick a side, it seems like it limits its, you know, it it could be potentially limiting its customer base unnecessarily. I mean, uh, creating an, uh, you know, maybe a fan in half of them, but uh, perhaps a detriment to the other half, if, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. Yeah, I think it needs to, depends on the brand and the, and the, and the brand's uh, target market. I mean, you know, for instance, so if you're a bank, you probably don't want to be getting involved in politics because you you need to be perceived as a conservative, stable institution. That's that's your brand promise, right? If you're right. Nike, well, your your brand really is more about taking a risk, uh, being active, kind of being out there. I mean, just do it. Doesn't that mean sticking your neck out a little bit? Uh, sure. I, so I can see how how it worked for them because it also. Uh, it is guaranteed to generate press on your brand. When you do something controversial and political, you're going to get press. So that that helps your brand from that standpoint. But again, it depends on who you're selling and who your clientele is. Right. There's that old saying that there's no such thing as bad press. Yeah, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) There's definitely such such thing as bad press. Just ask, uh, you know... Ask Enron. <laughs> I totally understand uh-huh. it. If a particular brand or if your product is is specifically political, I, you know, if I'm a manufacturer of guns, obviously I'm going to be pro gun, right? I mean, that it it just makes sense. Yeah, um, right. I think uh, you know, I just don't know how great of a return there is sometimes for some of these companies. Uh, to you know, make some of the picks that they do, and then I I question too when they do that. Uh, you, I've seen some that you know get caught up in this. They they posted something in social media. It it wasn't meant maybe the way that they meant it, and then the other side of me goes, man, they retract so quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's the right thing to do, but it also sometimes comes across as, I don't know, um, maybe you should have stood on it. I don't know. Yeah, cowardly. And that's a great word. Yeah. I mean, there is no, there's no one-size-fits-all answer to those questions. It really depends, on again, on the company and and the market. But in general, the reason that they retract things from social media is because, uh, things live forever on social media. And again, remember the 101 crisis is get over with in the first day. So go if you're going to leave something out there forever, you're going to be liable for that issue to continue rambling on forever. So I can see how or it come, to come back at you a couple of years later. Right. Did you see that they, they right. posted this? Right. I, I'm right. with you. Right. So your, your idea of doing the dump uh, if you will, tell the truth, get it all, be done with it, and leave no questions, uh, shortens its duration and lifespan. Right. And that's the main goal. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to flip back to you uh, more personally again. What, what sacrifices have you made to be a successful entrepreneur? Well, I sacrificed sleep. 
uh, I've sacrificed, um, you know, some family time, obviously, because I spent a lot of time working on this business. Um, and, I don't know, I've sacrificed a stress-free life. <laughs> uh but, but that's not, to me, that's not uh, that big of a sacrifice. I think there's two kinds of people, those who are innervated by stress and those who are energized by it. And I'm one of the latter. Uh, stress kind of makes me sit up and take notes and make things happen. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure I've sacrificed that much. It's certainly been uh, a much better bargain than working for somebody. I like the freedom of working for myself, and I like the opportunities and the challenge and yeah, it's uh, infinitely better, I think, than working for somebody else. And I think you've probably danced right around a message that I talk about um, regularly on this show. You know, I, I put that question out there, but it's kind of a setup question. Because we will say, if we step back for a minute and go, well, I sacrificed this, I, but I'd keep doing it. Um, and and typically that's because we don't we don't find entrepreneurialism running a business uh doing this uh as work to us it's not really work i mean you can disagree if you like but uh, just because five o'clock comes or it's 10 o'clock at night and i'm thinking about what i do for a living it's because i have a passion for it i really love doing it and i don't even find it to be work i don't find it to be something that i am sacrificing something else to do if that makes any sense it does. I mean, I think you're talking about the idea of flow, uh, and I think when you're really into something, if you're really into your work, and I've, I'm into mine, like sounds like you are as well, then yeah, time flies by, and you're, I think, because you're focused on what you like doing, and also because, you know, I think we all need a sense of meaning, and a sense of purpose in our life, and a sense of control, and that's what having a business does. There's the, I think it was Daniel Pink came up with the concept of, uh, Meaning, autonomy, and uh, purpose as the three things that you need to be happy in your business. And that's what we try to instill here in everyone at the Bradford Group is meaning, autonomy, and purpose. They feel like they're actually making something happen, not just, you know, spending the hours. Right. So have you articulated your core values? or You you mentioned those three things and those are the things that you try to – uh, instill within your people at, at uh, Bradford Group. Uh, have you? Is that something you've articulated? Um, yeah. Formalized. Uh, we have three core values: smart, active results, which means hire smart people, uh, be an active marketing partner, which means being proactive, and generate measurable results. Yeah, we're very focused on that. As a matter of fact, we recite those three values every morning in our huddles. So it's a it's a key thing we do. We also have a program here where we uh, reward people for who uh, epitomize those values, a program called our Kudos Program. If you see somebody doing something great, you get a little slip of paper, write your name and their name on it, what they did great, and then circle at the bottom, smart, active, or results, put up on a bulletin board. And at the end of the quarter, we take them all down, count them up, and hand out prizes for those who have done the best job of Manifesting being smart, being active, or generating results. So yeah, core values ah, are very, awesome. very alive at the Bradford Group. That's awesome. So what we we have a very similar program. We have what we call a coin program, and at the end of every week, uh, 
we have four coins that are circulating in the company, and it's an employee recognition, uh, peer recognition uh, thing. And it started out with an, you know, actual coins that they gave away. Uh, now they get a coin that they get to give away, but they actually keep one. We minted them out. Um, and on the outer rim of the coin face and, and on the heads and tails side, you know, one talks about uh, various different uh, qualities we, you know, admire in, in an employee. And then uh, on the other side, we talk about the just qualities we admire in human beings. Um, and it could be for any of those or any reason. doesn't matter. You could have saved a puppy. You could have whatever it is. And another employee recognizes um, an employee for that. And so when they get a coin, then their job is to uh, then uh, give it away. Uh, and so they rotate, like I said, um, each week there's somebody that's responsible for giving their coin away this week. And then a month later, whoever they gave it to has to give it away again. And so there's just, we're doing that all the time. So we use, a, we use an acronym here for our core values called RAD. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that uh, from us before, but uh, RAD uh, is relationship, attitude, and dependability. And those aren't actually in order. Um, but that is, uh, those are the really the, the three things we find are the strongest in client retention um, is to have, uh, and actually it's really draw DRA in that order. So dependability comes first, always Always be there. Always uh, do what you say you're going to do. Um, be on time. Be on time with reports. Be on time for meetings. Uh, just be the the company and, and individual that your client can count on. Um, uh, relationship, I think that it's more than just about business. Uh, so much more than just about business. People like to do business with people that they, that they like. Uh, and then attitude is, you know, uh, you may be having a bad day, but uh, you can't let that show. Uh, you've got to have a, always have a positive attitude with your clients. I think those are three things we we focus in on. On top of that uh, is results, but results are almost a given. We've got to do. We've got to try to drive results for our clients. But those three things flowing underneath it are for us. Um, they say there are three types of CEOs: sales, operations or finance-based? Which are you? Sales. Sales. Just out of curiosity, what? go back, not even in your business, what was your first sale you ever made? The first sale I made? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was probably selling someone a drink at a restaurant when I was waiting tables. Oh, uh, okay. So you were a, a, a waiter, was one, of your, was one of your first jobs, or your first job? Mm-hmm. Well, my first job when I got out of college. I worked... I had a job since I was 14. I worked for my dad uh, in the air conditioning business. But I wasn't really selling anything there. I was installing air conditioning. So, yeah, I think my first sale was probably – and that, that's really how I learned how to sell was waiting tables because that's all about reading people and making them happy. It is. It is. It's And it, uh, I think that's a great uh, background for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Also, because humility. Yeah, humility. It's, it's a sense of servitude. You you are there truly uh-huh. until you've done it. And I don't know. Not everybody I know has done it, but I, I waited tables. Until you've done uh-huh. it, you don't realize that you're really truly now serving someone, actually multiple someones. Um, mm-hmm. And and boy, you you understand, I think, at a deeper level what it's like to be on the other side of that. I 
I, I think I treat people who are waiting on me in, a, in, in many capacities, not just in a restaurant, but, you know, even at a gas station or uh, at a convenience or a, a you know, grocery store. I, I just treat them differently, I think, mm-hmm. than I think others do. I've, think I've watched people. Yeah, I've watched others just I don't understand. I will I'll stop my conversation that I'm having at the table to actually focus on the waiter or waitress for a moment. I, I believe I actually get better service that way. Yeah, I think you do. That's just that's just common sense. It's just good human relations. Yeah, I, I but I've seen so many people that don't. And I I I'm, the only thing I can think of is, you know, you just never been on that other side then. You don't you don't know what it's like. Leaders are readers, and you've been kind of bouncing around the fact that you love to read. Well, if you if you had one or two books that you would recommend to an up and coming entrepreneur, what would that what would they be? Uh, one is called "Ego Is the Enemy" by Ryan Holiday. Just a really good uh, book about how thinking of, your, of yourself first actually hurts yourself. That was a really transformational book for me. Uh, another good one that we use here at the Bradford Group is uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. Uh, that's a book about a, a way to systemize your business to create a culture that motivates people and also that allows you to set and attain goals. Those would be two good books for a, a budding entrepreneur, I think. Mastery of the Rockefeller Habits. I have not heard of that one. I've heard of the other one, but not of that one. Yeah. Other than your own, Mm -hmm. what business do you admire the most? I admire what Richard Branson's done with all of his virgins. Um, He's uh, done a remarkable job of branding, of maintaining a consistent brand across several different industries, and the brand really is one of uh, exuberance and excellence. And he's done a good job of using his personal reputation to build his companies also, I think. So, yeah, I think Branson would be uh, a brand, if you will, that I admire. He seems to also really genuinely care about his employees. He seems to. And he seems to genuinely enjoy what he does, too. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think he's a... I think I think I think Whole Foods is a really good brand. Also, I think the way that they right. built that is is a testimony to again to excellence and to uh, and to independence. I mean, he's been pretty outspoken on uh, how uh, labor unions are not particularly effective for businesses or for their or for their customers, for that matter. And that's that was courageous. That was a political political stance. Yeah, it was. Uh, in a space that might have worked against him, was people who shop at Whole Foods. Uh, are not probably by and large uh, uh, conservative folks. So right. yeah, that was that was somewhat courageous and true. Branson has an island down in the Caribbean that you can actually go stay at. It's pretty yeah, expensive. Dec- Decker Island. I have a friend who's been there several times. As a matter of fact. Yeah. He uh, yeah. Branson has a group. Um, I forget what he calls them. The uh, rule breakers, I think, uh, of entrepreneurs who he's met throughout his mainly speaking engagements, who he invites down to Decker Island for a week or a weekend of just sort of, I don't know, being entrepreneurs. And this friend of mine, the most entrepreneurial guy I know, has uh, been invited about, I don't know, five or six, ten different times. And he said, 
It's a hoot. Yeah, it's just off the coast of Virgin Gorda in the Caribbean. I think that'd be really cool to meet him in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure. Yeah. He he's definitely done a lot of different things and a risk taker too. I'm a typical entrepreneur, right? You definitely are out there uh-huh. taking some risks. What's been what's been the most satisfying moment in business for you? The most satisfying moment. Um probably growing uh 40% last year was our most satisfying moment. That's good. That's real good. Uh-huh. What do you attribute that to? Uh raising our prices. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I've got to tell you something. It's an interesting conversation you just start right there. I think that sometimes we are really good at what we do, and I'm, I'm going to say that, and we, when I say entrepreneurs as a whole, and sometimes we give it away. Yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs want to be loved, and that's part of their problem with giving it away, and they don't want to hear no. Uh, but we realize that you know we work just as hard uh for you know, a smaller amount as we do for a larger amount on a, a monthly retainer fee, and uh, and we also learned that when we ask for what is actually a reasonable fee, people are fine with it. So I think it's just a, it takes a little courage to to do it, but once you start, it's it's very uh, refreshing. So I mean, you guys started in 2000, and uh, you're now saying you know. Uh, 18 years later, you uh, you make this this shift that changes you by 40 percent. I mean, that is uh, for somebody who's been in business as long as you that that had to have been uh, somewhat uh, scary. I don't know if that's the right word. Well, I mean, not really. So it's scary raising prices on your current clients. What's not scary is simply charging more to new clients because they because they have no. Uh, Standard to judge again, right? So it wasn't that scary, no. Uh, and we also um, offered in our proposals, we offer clients several different options. You know, sort of good, better, best, if you will, in terms of the amount of services they're buying from us. So, you know, they can find their own level that they're comfortable with. But what we found is that when you offer people that sort of choice, they more often than not go for the top choice uh, because they really want the, you know, the whole package. So it works out best for everybody. Isn't that the whole pricing scheme in uh, uh, or schemes? Maybe not the, the right word, but the uh, pricing methodology, if you will, uh, for uh, popcorn at the uh, theater. Almost everybody buys the large because uh-huh. it seems like such the great value. And why would I buy the small or medium? I might as well just go to the large. I think giving customers a pricing choice is a very smart move especially when you give them a guided choice you know too many choices and they get uh they get stuck like if you give them an a la carte it's almost impossible but if you give them here here and here that definitely makes sense next to the last question, the penultimate question uh, although i'm okay. using that those in in writing i'd be using a word i, know, I think probably too big and the next to the last question if you could build a time machine uh-huh. And you could go back to the day that you started the business, mm-hmm. and you could you could spend five to fifteen minutes with yourself. What would you tell yourself? I would probably tell myself to uh, focus more on leadership and building people, and less on sales. Uh, one thing I 
and been learning over the past 18 years is really how important it is to build people and build a team. When you do that, everything follows from that. That's that's fantastic advice. Focus on uh, on others and and uh, focus on building your team. The sales are going to come anyway. Right. That's that's a very insightful. The last question. If one of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you uh, and uh, find out more about your company or reach out to you guys, what do they need to do? Go to our website, and that website address is bradfordgroup.com. That's B-R-A-D-F-O-R-D-G-R-O-U-P.com. Excellent. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time out to, to come on our show today. Sure. Thanks you. Have a great one. That was a fantastic chance to talk with Jeff of the Bradford Group. Uh, learned a lot about him. Uh, I am personally myself going to go out and pick up uh, a copy of The Mastery of the Rockefeller Habits. Um, I can't wait to read it. It sounds very interesting. And it was great talking to Jeff today. I hope that you are having a fantastic week. I hope that everything you're working on is working out just the way that you want it to. And I hope that you found some value in the last couple of interviews that we've had with Jeff. And I hope also that you tune in again tomorrow to The Daily Drive. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan. Shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.